0: It's also known as an assembly of people. That's pretty simple to think about. Okay. Now, the most famous one, the called out ones. Ecclesia. That's the, probably the most common definition that you would find in most of your dictionaries the called out ones. Now, the church is the people of God. But now, with that, we could say, well, this is a church. This is where the church gathers. So in a natural in a natural respect, we say, okay, well, the church building and the church people, that's a natural development. So people would say, well, that's you know, that's abundant grace church. Even though like on a Monday or Tuesday there's nobody here, people still pass by and say, Oh, that's abundant grace church. That's the building. That's but what we know as the church is the people that are here, the called out ones. But so we're going to use those you know, uh, synonymously, at the, you know, use it for the building and the church. So you'll understand what I mean as we progress in this. But the definition also reflects that the people or the building belong to God. So either way, either way that you use it, the word church, we as the people as the church, or we as this building as the church, belong to God. So now, that's to say that we don't have nightclub parties here because that wouldn't be of God. We don't you know we don't stream sports in the sanctuary and have a big shindig and party. We don't do that because that doesn't belong to God. So this is set apart. It's been called out to the service of God. So with that in mind, if this house belongs to God and we belong to God, there is there should be an honor and respect for each other as the church and respect as this is God's house the house of prayer. I mean it, it was it was so bad in Jesus's time that when he first started his ministry he goes in flips the tables and then at the end of his ministry he does it again. So that shows you there should be how there should be honor in the house of God. Because when Jesus, you know, Jesus, he, he never sinned, so him being upset and throwing the tables over, making the whip, beating the tables, chasing people out of there, that wasn't sin. So with that, Jesus saw and the anger of God was in him to say, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. So we say, well, what does that mean for us, Pastor Caleb? That means that we are to be honorable and respectful when we come into the house of God so we treat this as, as God's house this belongs to him it doesn't belong to any of us it belongs to him it doesn't matter what name is on the door it doesn't matter who the pastor is it doesn't matter who goes there when it is set apart it belongs to God because Jesus is the great shepherd amen so a pastor is the under shepherd under Jesus But it all belongs to God. So with that, we should have honor and respect for one another as the church, the body of Christ, but also the church building. Now, the church has been called out from the world. As I said, we use this building and this property for the things of God. So it's set out from the world. It's set out from sin. It's called out from darkness. It's called out from habits, customs, and worldly culture. Now let's flip it. We as the church are called out of darkness, called out of sin, called out of bad habits, called out of worldly culture, called out of customs. Amen. So that means that when we act and when we speak, we should have this in our heart and our mind of saying, all right, am I reflecting the church of God right now? Because the church really is in me the holy spirit resides in me so if i have the holy spirit in me i am housing the the holy spirit so i am the church of god so now how am i reflecting how am i am i honoring my body am i honoring everything honoring god by what i'm saying and doing so we've really got to take that to heart so if you want to write this down or turn there john 17 John chapter 17. I'm going to read it from the, the King James. I also have it from the New Living Translation printed out here. So I'm cheating a little bit because I got it printed out in front of me. So I'll turn to King James first. Amen. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 14. It says, I have given them thy word, and the world Hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I have given them your word. Now remember, this is Jesus talking to God. So he says, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So even Jesus is proclaiming and he's talking to the father. He says, I've given them your word. I've called them out. I've given them something that sets them apart from the world and the things around them. So he says the world hates them because you are with them, because they love you, because they they want to walk with you, because they walk with me. They're my disciples. The world hates them. So I hate to burst your bubble. When you truly stand for Christ, people are not going to like you. Sounds like you all have the testimony of that as well. But good, it means you stood for something. It means you stood for God. Amen. You know, I, I, try to, I try to be a friendly guy. I try to be, you know, positive and be, you know, friendly to everybody. But there are some times people have tried that friendliness. But I have to remain strong. I'll give you an example. I know I've got a lot, lot to, to teach this morning. The Lord gave me a lot, and it seemed like it was never going to stop, and I had to finally turn the fountain off and say, all right, Lord, we've got to quit sometime, uh, But as far as the message goes. But there, I, you know, I first started this job as a, as a uh, courthouse researcher doing background checks. I went up to a small town a little piece from here, and this older man, every time I'd go in there, he was so hateful, so mean, and I'd walk up to the counter and say, you know, sir, can you, you know, kind of use your computer or, you know, to look up background checks for people that are applying jobs? And this dude cussed me out, slammed his window, yelled at me. And so I said, okay, sir, is, is there a better day that I could come back and do this, you know, when it fits your schedule? He cussed at me and said, I've got 18 more months till I retire, and I'm an SOB, and I'll be an SOB until I retire. thought this is going to be fun so anyway so I just smiled at him and I said well you have a blessed day you know I'll I'll come back you know in a couple days you have a blessed day sir and and I think until up until he retired this has been a a little while now up till he retired I finally started gaining favor with him it wasn't much at all because it took me a long time to gain what little favor I did have where I finally got to go into his office finally got to sit down and carry on conversations. And finally, his, the lady that he had hired to work with him, she, she really liked me. She was really nice, polite. I don't know how she worked with that man. But it, it worked out to where before, I, before we left that county of my job, that I, I was able to have conversations with this guy. And he, I don't want to say he was friendly because that would be pushing it still, but there was still favor in the eyes of this man that I had than when I first started. But it was because I kept showing the love of Christ. Because I didn't return evil for evil. But I kept saying, Lord, it got so bad. Before I get out of my truck, I'd say, Lord, you know this man. i call his name. I said, Lord, you know this man. You know, I didn't even think he likes himself. But Father, help me to have the love of Christ as I walk in here to this man and to talk to him. And honestly, I never really got mad. To his face, I get frustrated and go out to the truck and say, "All right, here we go again." But to it, but with him, I tried my best to show the love of Christ. But I think at first that love of Christ even made him more mad because I wasn't re- it wasn't giving him the answer he was looking for. So I will say, when you stand for Christ, when you stand on the biblical principles, that you're not always going to be the most like person. Amen. That really had nothing to do with what I've got typed out here for notes, but we'll continue on. <laughs> we as believers do not belong to this world, but to God. Now I've heard it put many different ways, but we're just we're just aliens traveling through. Now we're not weirded out extraterrestrials. Don't think of it that way. But we're foreigners. We're just passing through and going. We're we've been sent here to do the will of the Father. And we're going back to where we belong at his, in His heaven where we belong to, to be with Him. Of course, heaven's going to come here on earth. That's a whole other message. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> but you understand what I mean. We don't belong here. We belong to God. Everything we should do, everything we do should belong to God. Not only are the people to be set apart, but the building is not an ordinary building. This is a place where we gather. The, the church, the people are also called out of a private life into a public arena, public meeting, public assembly. You say, well, Brother Caleb, what about the people in China? Well, they are having to hide, but they still gather, and they still, it's it's not just them sitting at home and saying, well, all right, I can be a Christian from here. I don't have to get with anybody else. I'm just going to sit here and just, you know, hold in my Christianity and not, not share it with anybody else and just sit on my couch. That is not the definition of what that means. The definition of, of, of being called out of a private life means that you're coming out of those scenarios, you're coming out of your, your home, you're coming out of just your, what, just you and yourself into a gathering, an assembly of people coming together with like-mindedness. Because you you take Ephesians four eleven and twelve when it says when it talks about the fivefold ministry, when you have all fivefold of those ministry the prophet, the prophets the evangelists the pr- pastors teachers the the uh, uh, now it's escaping me the apostles prophets evangelists pr- pastors preachers and teachers so I did name all of them I was kept miscounting my fingers that's what's wrong with me so I'll get it right in a minute. But so the fivefold ministries, the fivefold ministers, what they are to do is to perfect and mature the church. Not to perfect and mature the people that stay at home. They're sent into the church. they are gifts from Jesus Christ to the church to help minister, to help mature them, to help perfect them, to mature them in the things of the Lord. So you can't get that at home. You must be called out of the private life and into the house of God and into the church building and be part of the church people. So now you've got church in both regards. You need the church in both sense of the word. This reflects the importance of going to the church building and being a part of the assemblies. Now, Hebrews 10.25, if you want to write this down, I'm going to read it to you. Hebrews 10.25 says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is so as the writer of Hebrews is saying here he says some have forsaken the assembly some have forsaken gathering together at the church because that's the manner of some but exhorting one another that should be what we do and so much more as you see the day approaching now I don't know about you, but if you look around you, you can see these are the last days. So the answer is not less church. The answer is more church. So with that, it says, you know, Hebrews 10.25, and so much more as you see the day approaching. That means we need to start having more church. We need to get together because, let me tell you, it's not easy to walk out even into Walmart and to and to. Be around people that have they're doing with things they've got you know things attached to them things attacking them and that stuff you're just passing down the aisle and it tries to start speaking to you. I was in a I was in a bookstore one time, and I was you know looking at the Christian books and and I was you know looking this way and and all of a sudden I got I stepped over in this area and I'm like that doesn't feel right. Something I just took a few steps over and something does not feel right. What is that? darkness, that gloominess, so I start looking around, I don't see anybody, it's just me so I'm like, alright, I'm gonna test this." so I start stepping this way, ah, oh, I feel better alright, well, what's the difference between there and here, okay, let me step back over here, alright, Uh, hmm that doesn't feel right, so then I got the bright idea maybe with all my education, turn around and I see that there's these witchcraft books behind me, and it's right in this area right here and not over here so I said, all right, I curse every one of you books in the name of Jesus. May nobody pick you up. May nobody buy you. May you dry up and may this chain of bookstore refuse to sell you ever again. But then I realized, all right, so now I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to turn my head and look this way at that section because <laughs> I'm not going to stay in that because that stuff was trying to speak to me, trying to you know, have something over me. Although I belong to God, I can feel it and say, that's not right. That's not God. But what if you're in a place to where you don't speak to those things immediately? That thing keeps washing over you, keeps washing over you, keeps washing over you. Next thing you know, you're fighting depression. You're fighting oppression. You're fighting all of these issues because you have not spoken it, because you have not built yourself up in the Word. You have not used the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, to cut those things off and to say, I don't, I'm not listening to that. You shut up. One of, the, one of the first things I learned from Pastor Chris when we first started going through Engrafted Word was to tell my mind to shut up. I thought, that is so funny, but yet it's so powerful. Because, you know, as Dr. Barclay and Pastor Chris, which is Dr. Barclay is, is Pastor Chris's pastor, so he even submits to a pastor, so we have that chain going. So even, even Dr. Barclay will say, you have 70,000 thoughts, now my figure may be a little off, so don't hold, that, hold me to that. Your, your mind has 70,000 thoughts a day, but not all of them are yours. 70,000 thoughts a day, and not all of them are yours. So, you got advertising speaking to you, all the commercials and things you see, all the billboards you see. But then you got the enemy trying to lob a fiery dart at you, trying to throw that in there. Will that stick? Will that stick in there? Ah, that didn't work. Let's try this one over here. Let's throw that and see if that sticks. And the one that sticks and you don't extinguish, ah, I'm going to use that one again. I got them. So, you got to speak to those things and let the word of God come over you. But how do you do that? Well, you can do that at home. That's great and fine. But it's more effective when you come to the house of God on, with like-minded people, because this is where you can say, "You know, brother or sister, you know, I I feel, you know, I feel like something's bothering you. Can I pray with you? You don't you don't have to tell me all the details. Let's just pray together." Whereas you, that may be the last thing on your mind that you want to do is say, ah, "I know I need to pray, but I don't want to right now." kind of the same mindset of oh I got dishes in the sink I really don't want to do them right now I'll wait till later and then the next thing you know you've got a sink that's overflowing you got the area around the sinks overflowing and then it's worse same principle goes for your spiritual life if you don't deal with it right then it starts growing and then it causes more work for you to, to take care of that but when you come to the house of God that's when we can help each other now that help may not always be pleasant. Somebody may say, somebody may give you a word, and you're like, I really didn't want to hear that right now. Why'd you give me that word? Why'd you obey the Holy Spirit and give me that word? I don't want that word right now. It means I gotta do something. I think we've all we've all been there. You you know it's the truth. You know the word is the truth of God. You know that you need to do the word, but at that moment in time it's just like I just really, I didn't want to hear that right now. Amen. There's been some messages I've preached that I can tell by the look on people's faces they didn't want to hear that word right then and there. (laughs) And I won't say that that's happening right now. I won't say that. (laughs) Anyway, especially in today's time, we need to have more church and not less because we come here, the word of God washes over us. We can help build each other up. You know, the word also says that we can provoke one another to good works. Not provoke one another to stay in our depression, our oppression, our problems, but provoke one another to good works. This gathering helps each believer come together to the group where the place had been called to be planted and let their roots grow in the things of God from their pastor as well as other members. You know, when you're called to a church, you're to be planted. You know, anybody can witness from, you know, uh, the, especially the tropical storms and, and, and hurricanes, you can see those palm trees and other trees. When they get into a deep storm or a massive storm, you can tell how deep the roots go because those trees start waving like this. They start waving. But because their roots are so deep, they're not just being pulled out and thrown They've gotten nutrients, they've gotten growth from the ground that they were planted in so they begin just to wave with the storm and then when the storm's over, they're still standing there. That's how we should be as Christians. You know, God I believe God calls each and every Christian to a church and he says, this is where you're to be planted, this is where you get your nutrients, this is where you grow but it's up to us to heed that that call and to stay where we're supposed to be. But now it says, also said, as each person is a member of the church, it displays the body of Christ in the local assembly to fulfill the task and the missions of that church. Every church has missions that they're to accomplish. Abundant Grace Church has missions we need to accomplish. Amen. Amen. So let me give you let me give you the general missions of a church. Number one preaching and teaching. That's a mission of the church. Preaching and teaching. Number two, discipling. That's a mission of the church. Number three, fellowship. It's a mission of the church. Number four, worship. It's a mission of the church. Number five, maturing the believer. Maturing the believer. Well, we know that that's a mission of the church because of the fivefold ministries we talked about. Amen. Next is missions and evangelism. Our next one is ministry in the home. Now, that doesn't mean. Like that, your preacher or your pastor comes to your home and preaches there. This means that the ministry that it goes on here is taken home and done within your home. Whether it be prayer, Bible study, laying hands on the sick, laying hands on the sick. I, I had some people look at me kind of odd, uh, probably a couple weeks ago now, because one of our one of our boys. Had, a, had an issue. I think he had a, had a boo boo. I think it was Zach, our littlest one. So he comes to me. He was like, Did he have a boo boo on my leg? And he's showing it to me. And of course, he's, you know, being a boy, he's got to pull up his pant leg to show it to me. He can't just say, You know, I've got this issue. So he comes to me, he pulls up his pant leg, and stick, holds up his leg. And so what do I do? We've taught our boys, I lay hands on it, I pray over it, teach them to pray over it. And then, you know, he, once I'd done that, he was good. Put his pant leg down, took off running he was fine but it's it's those moments and that person kind of looked at me like what are you doing I've never thought about that before but that's something that we do because if we believe it here in the church why wouldn't we do that at home because you as a parent or grandparent you're I don't want to be taken completely out of biblical context but you're an elder at your establishment you're an elder in your home you're an elder you know, to that child or grandchild That you can lay hands on that and believe and faith believing, and that come to pass. But what a great testimony to a child to say, you know, even bringing them up into things of the Lord, and they say, you know what, I prayed for this and God healed it. So why wouldn't He, now as I'm 18, why wouldn't He do this for me? Because you've taught that child from years and years and years, and it being not just words coming out of your mouth, but it coming to pass. And then all of a sudden, when they're older, they say, hey, this ain't no thing. I've been taught what to do. I lay hands on this. I curse it. Yeah, I still go to the doctor and get their opinion, but I know God's my healer. Amen. Another quick side story. I had a, had a gentleman at EWC. He was telling me that he and his kids, they had lost an iPad. They laid it on top of their vehicle and didn't realize it. And, they, and the wife took off to a doctor's appointment and they live on some curvy back roads, and so they realized it was gone. Realized what had happened. So them, they and their kids began to pray. They start praying every night. Father, you know you, you know we're we're good stewards over our things. This was an accident. It wasn't. We didn't mean for it to happen. But Father, you said that you would return all things unto us. We pray for that iPad to be returned. All of a sudden, they got this notion. You know what? We're gonna check. We're gonna check uh, the local sales thing or like a paper or something not they were selling it but they were advertising hey found this iPad on road so and so please call if this belongs to you so they called them and got it returned but they said you know that built up the kids faith so much of saying you know we, we pray over things when we're sick but we even pray over things that, that were lost and it comes back to us because of favor of God because we are tithers Because we can declare tithers' rights. Amen. So our next one is ministering to material or natural needs. Ministering to material needs or natural needs. So, Pastor Caleb, what does that one mean? That means when we see somebody in need, we can help. We can help a family in need. We can help, you know, when storms happen. We can help others get, you know, food and shelter and help take care of them with the things that they have need of. So we're also that to others. But notice it said I, and that one I listed ministering to na- material needs or natural needs but then our last one that I have written down we could go for so much more. The last one I have written down is ministry to others. Ministry to others. Now the church is also a spiritual house. So I'm going to give you four things. Now this is kind of you have all have all this massive list and they have this one this is going to be probably our series over the next few weeks so we'll break some of these down and but if the lord interrupts us we'll be interrupted and then we'll pick back up (laughs) amen but a spiritual house for salvation that's our first one a spiritual house for salvation that's what the church is the church is also a spiritual house for deliverance It's also a spiritual house for healing and a spiritual house for prayer amen now churches whether it be people or the building should be Christ centered and Christ governed but this attitude only comes through Bible training The attitude only comes through Bible training to keep believers refocused on Jesus Christ. Because, let me tell you, it's easy to be distracted by things. You know, we could probably look at the modern church and say, you know, we could hold up a picture of it and hold up a picture of a nightclub and they would almost look similar. That's a church that has been distracted by the things of the world and not focused on the things of God. So the reason I say that that comes through Bible teaching is because when you're focused on the Word, what it, it, keeps, it keeps renewing your mind. It keeps renewing your mind. So with that, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Very familiar verse. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So let's break this verse down just a little bit. And be not conformed, or be not fashioned after after or in the same form as the world, but be ye transformed. The word transformed there means to be changed conditioned, transfigured by the renewing. Renewing means to restore, to replenish, to revive, to reestablish, to make effective for an additional period. The renewing of your mind. Now mind there just doesn't mean your your brain, what you know is a brain, but your thoughts, your feelings, your will, your understanding, your emotions. The Bible says that to be you can be angry, but sin not, so that shows that emotions themselves are not sin it's how you deal with those emotions It's how you handle those but if you don't have the renewing of your mind all the time, then you start your emotions start having this overgrowth, and you start you know you can get angry and start throwing things, start cussing people, as I found out in that little uh, town of <laughs> That little older gentleman. But you can also fall into depression, and if that's not dealt dealt with biblically and correctly, you can fall into a very dangerous state. People become suicidal. They get into a depression that's hard for them to come out of. But when we're transformed, when we have our mind renewed by the Word of God, we can fight these things and stay biblical and focus on Jesus. The only way to allow the word to come out of us as a church or believers or even biblical servants is to have the word within us. You know, when you squeeze a toothpaste tube, you don't get peanut butter. You don't get other things. You get what it says on the outside. You get exactly what was put into that thing. So we as Christians, when we're squeezed by the world squeezed by situations we shouldn't have all this gobbledygook come out of us it's like what in the world is that when we're squeezed we should have the word coming out of us saying you know what I may have some symptoms but I am the healed of God by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed when something tries to beat you down say I'm more than an overcomer I'm more than a conqueror in the name of Jesus we can walk on the serpents we can tread on the scorpions start speaking the word of those things. But if you don't, here's what your life looks like. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, this is so horrible. My life's going nowhere. See, that looks funny to us. Become Monday through Thursday, do you look like that in the mirror? No. When we're squeezed, we should have the word of God. Does that mean you're always going to be happy and just always chipper? No. But that means that you deal with it biblically. You say, you know what? I don't feel, my bad. I don't feel the happiest person right now. Not the happiest camper. But by the grace of God, I'm going to have my joy restored. I'm not going to let this get me down. The shut up, mind. I'm not going to give in to that thought. I'm not going to stay focused on this. God has blessed me. You know, if you start counting your blessings... You get get happy pretty quick. Because you could be a lot worse off. Amen. Now, I know the Bible says we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. But when you start focusing on what God's done for you, you start getting happy really quick. Amen. Amen. Every day requires us to renew our minds. Every day. It's not something that we just do on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. We should renew our minds every day I means yes you come in church on Sunday come to church on Wednesday get refueled get re-energized get charged up like a battery but then it's up to you to have those little supplemental charges in your personal time throughout the week being in the word being in prayer but there has been plenty of times I've been I've went to the Lord in prayer and felt you know beat down didn't feel that good just, just didn't I just don't want to do this right now. But I knew if I pray, things would change. So I I would start praying, and all of a sudden, you start feeling that boldness come upon you. You start declaring things. You start cursing the enemy, standing for God, quoting scripture, talking to God. Then the next thing you know, you start feeling like you could take on anybody. Say, All right, Lord, let me go to Walmart just to witness to somebody. I feel I know what God can do in me now. You start feeling that boldness, and my God can do anything. I'm a child of his but if you don't pray, if you don't seek after the Lord, if you don't get in the word you stay in that first state and you just stay there, which is where the enemy likes for us to be because what do you think the devil would like more an army that is that doesn't train, is not well disciplined, not exercised or an army that knows their weapons, knows it in and out and can attack him and defeat him Because I tell you, as long as you don't quit, we have the victory. Because Jesus, we, we know how the end of this book goes, right? We know that we are victors. We know that we have the victory. But we can't quit. So I'll throw this in there. Now, you could say, well, that's coming in the future. That's coming in the future. You can have victory now. If you quote this book, if you talk to God, if you walk with God, you can have victory now and then. Amen, but it's up to you. You know, that was, when I was in the military, we had a lot of guys that would, you know, they would work out. You know, they would, you, there was usually two groups of guys those that would work out when everybody else worked out, and that was the only time they ever did it didn't really care, go home, eat 2,000, 3,000 calories, not care anything about anything else. All right, well, tomorrow I get up and go to PT, you know, physical training again. Then you had the other guys who would show up with everybody else, work out just like everybody else did, and then they would watch what they ate, maybe exercise three or four more times during the week, and they were physically fit. Now, let me show you the importance of that. The guys that worked out more than just what was required when it came time for the PT test to prove that you could stay in the army, stay in the military, they didn't have to worry about those tests. They said, Yes, this isn't pleasant, but this is, I can do this. This is, no, this is no big deal. This is like a normal work day for me. But then you have the other guys. Who done what was the least bit of required but then didn't care any other time they were the ones that were always having to, you know (laughs) they were always the ones that were struggling, trying to fight, trying to make sure they got everything just at the nick of time for their run, make sure that they had just the right amount of push-ups, just the right amount of sit-ups, it's just oh man, I just gotta get, I got got 30 seconds, I gotta do 30 more of these it was that, that worry that they knew that they were in trouble because they hadn't been doing what was required of them through the normal time. So that goes with us. When you walk with God more than on Sunday and Wednesday and you truly walk with him and you're fellowshipping with him, then you're built up. Yes, it may, it may feel like a test. It may feel like there's things that happen that it's not a walk in the park. But you know that God's got this. You know that you're walking with him. That he has been faithful to you. And that your faithfulness to him, he will show up as we discussed about Daniel a couple of weeks ago. God shows up because you've been faithful to him. But then, if you don't, you start thinking, oh, oh, I know I've heard the story about this. I know God can do it, but I just don't know. I just don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you know? If you believe the word of God, you should know. You can stand on that. Amen. But there are missions that reflect the universal church, the body of Christ. And there are also local missions, as we said earlier. So we have our missions. So my next part is the church needs the church church needs the church we'll try to wrap up try to be a little quicker with this I can tell you I'm not going to get through my other three pages of notes that's only page two so I won't make you stay here till four or five o'clock we won't do that <laughs> but the church needs the church the building needs the people and the people need the building I'm going to say that again the building needs the people and the people need the building. Well, Pastor, what does that mean? That means that the building needs us or it will fall to ruins. Because we could all think of a, probably a couple of houses that we know nobody's lived in for years and what shape is it in? The roof's caving in. The front porch is caved in. You got all of this, you know, animals and stuff that's, you know, went through the house and had their way with it and windows are broken out it's in destruction so this, this building needs us to make this the house of God but we also need this building because this is where we come together to be together and to learn and to be d- discipled to come into worship to fellowship with one another but now without, without the called out people of God the building is just walls, floor, and a roof. For us to complete the missions that we talked about a few minutes ago, we must not be a group of spectators. We can't be a spectating group of people, but we must be an assembly of believers. As you know, James 2, if you want to write this down, James chapter 2 Verse 17 and 18 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So, as James is saying here, you get there is faith, and then there's works. One guy says, I'll show you my faith. The other guy, and James says, I will show you my faith by my works. You know, it brings to mind of, we don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. So when we put our hand to something, it's not saying, oh, if I do this just right, God will accept me and forgive me. That's not it at all. We say God first loved us, so I want to show my honor and my love to my God. So I serve Him. So I put my hand to things. I put. I do what I've been called to do, because I love my God. You know, when when Mother's Day, when Valentine's, when anniversaries come, I don't say, "Well, I'm I better buy my wife flowers, or I better buy her this, or you know, she'll you know." you know, think that she I don't love her or you know we got issues or something like that that's not the case I'm in preparing those ideas and what I'm going to get and preparing those purchases because I love my wife not because it's required or to be in her good graces it's because of my love for her that I get those things and I do those things it's the same with Jesus it's the same with God we do things we work in God's house we clean God's house we work in the kids department in God's house we do anything that we do for God it should be out of love and what greater love can you have than to lay down your life for a friend what does that mean Pastor Caleb that means when you lay down your life and say yeah I'm going to sacrifice an hour to come help clean the church I'm going to sacrifice a service every once in a while to help take care of kids I'm going to sacrifice this to, to help you know do things of the church you're sacrificing that time to do things of God. I'll tell you a little secret. When you do those things for God, God rewards that work. God blesses. I've I've heard Pastor Chris say many times, he says, I'm afraid to set some people down because they haven't been a good steward over the position that they hold. He said, because I'm afraid if I set them down, the anointing that is on them to do that work will 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 trickle into their personal life. So in other words, what Pastor Chris is saying, he says, when you're when you're anointed to do something for God, which we should all be anointed to do things for God, when we are anointed in that, then it trickles over into our personal life. Whether it be favor with the boss, whether it be, you know, just Anything that anything that you could think of it, it comes in favor and because it, it carries over into your life in your personal life. You now I can tell when when as, as I've grown in the things of God and God has appointed me to different things I can see it happen in my finances I can see it happen in my leadership, with my job. I can see I can, I can almost pinpoint you as the growth in my personal life has has grown and been blessed it all relates to me having something to do with the kingdom of God. So what if you don't do things for the kingdom of God? What blessings are you denying in your personal life, in your private time, that you could be having as well? So with that, back to what Pastor Chris was saying, he said, "If I'm afraid if I take them out of that position because they, because they haven't done exactly what they needed to, what kind of effect is that going to have in their private life, in their personal life? So that's something to think about. So, but to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Was Christ a servant? Yes. You know, you, you can think of when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, when he, when he knelt down, you know, Peter said, uh, no, you're, you're not doing that to me, Lord. You're not doing that to me. You're not going to serve me like that. And what did Jesus say? He said, if I don't do this, you have no part with me. Then Peter's like, not just my feet, just wash me all over, just dump it all over, just get me, from top of the head to the soles of my feet, just do it, Lord. But Christ had that attitude of being a servant. No matter what the job was. You, you could say, now, we think about that, we say we'll wash each other's feet, you know, I grew up Baptist so they would, you know, have a foot washing, you know, once or twice a year, and so you'd think you know, some of those people's feet, I'm like, mm, I don't Phone and watch those again, but <laughs> now you're retraining my thought. <laughs> Got to think about those feet that threw me off right there. No, no. When you when you think about when you think about that kind of attitude and that humility, you say, okay, well, people nowadays we have socks, we have shoes, but in Jesus's day they didn't have that. They had the sandals. But you think of everything that they walked in—dirt. You think of. Even animal feces and things that they may have stepped in. That's what Jesus humbled himself to as a servant. So, Pastor Caleb, what's that look like for us? Cleaning the bathroom, picking stuff off the carpet, vacuuming, helping with the kids, changing diapers. There's lots of things that we could think of nowadays is a whole lot better than washing some people's feet in Jesus' day. <laughs> We are blessed. <laughs> Amen. All right, one more verse. One more verse. First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. Excuse me. I'm gonna give you two verses, and then we'll close. So, First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. And God has set some in the church: first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing helps governments, diversities of tongues. Now notice, right in the middle of all that nice stuff, there is one simple word, helps. Well, what does that look like, Pastor Craig? That's ministry of helps. The ministry of helps. That is helping with the normal activities of the church. you know most churches have 10% of the people doing 90% of the work but it's a lot easier when 90% of the church is doing 100% of the work because everybody has a smaller piece of that pie to to, to have to focus on then it doesn't feel like a job it doesn't feel like overwhelming but everybody's putting their hand. Because not only are you helping your brother and sister out because they're not having to spend all day to do one thing, but then you're also being blessed because you're being obedient to this verse right here in the ministry of helps. Your life gets blessed. Amen. All right. As I told you, one more verse. I'll try to keep my word on that. Try and decide which which verse I'm going to go with. Because I got like 10. No, I'm just joking. It's on one, one two, three. Matthew 2521, last verse. Matthew 25, 21. It's Jesus speaking. He says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Does the verse stop there? No. There's a little bit more. Now, when you hear somebody quote it, a lot of times they'll quote a little bit different version of that, and that's where they stop. But this verse in the King James does not stop there. It says, Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, of thy Lord. Notice that this verse, now we, we can break this down. The Lord said, A good and faithful servant. So apparently, this person served their Lord and done what he asked them to do. But now, not only with that, he says, you've been faithful over a few things. He didn't say you've been faithful over all this overload that I gave you. I just dumped everything on you. He said you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler, which is a promotion over many. But then he goes on to say, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. This shows that the joy of the Lord comes when you're a faithful and good servant. So I'm going to read you verbatim because I went, I've done all the work of typing this out. I might as well read it. <laughs> Notice that this verse displays there is only joy in the Lord after being proven to be a good and faithful servant. The church is called out from sin, the world darkness, to do the will of God in reaching others with the gospel and serving in the local assembly to complete the missions he has given. So as we said, the church is two things. Truly one, but we with our vernacular we, we call it too so we have the building as a church which is it's good, that's acceptable but the true definition is the church as the people but we must honor both we must take care of both so with that we have missions that we are to do and if we don't put our hand to it as the ministry of helps and as the church our missions don't get done And God will have to come visit us again and say, why didn't you do this? Well, Lord, or will he come back and find us as good and faithful servants that we can enjoy the joy of the Lord? Amen. May each and every one of us be a servant as the church and in our church fulfilling the call of God on our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For this word, we thank you that we can be the church. We thank you; we have your promises, that Father. Not only do we gather in the church building, but we are the church, and we thank you for that. There is no one like you, Father. May you help us, and may we have the attitude, the heart, and mind to be servants of Christ, to serve in your kingdom. Not just to be evangelists, not just to be Lord uh, to witness to others. That is important as well, Father. Also to help our church to help grow, and to help do what you've called us to do as an assembly of believers. Father, we love you, and we thank you.